Hello, everyone. Welcome to Magic is Real, or welcome back if you are a regular listener. Thank you so much for being here. I am especially excited today because I am interviewing the lovely Alyssa Rushton. She is the owner of Divine Light Energy Healers Academy, and she does so many things that I'm going to let her explain the work that she does. But Alyssa is a near-death experiencer, and I'm very excited because her story resonates with me so much. There's so many similarities thematically in our journeys, and she's learned so much about health, healing, um, both both spiritual healing and physical healing. And I'm really happy to have her here with me. She's such a busy woman. She's been on many, many shows, and I'm so appreciative that she's taking the time to be here with us today to share her insights with those of you who either have heard her before um, and and she'll have more to share or you haven't heard anything about her story. So Alyssa, thank you so much for being here today. I'm so honored to have you with me. Oh my gosh, Shannon, I'm so excited to be here today. I can't wait for this conversation. I've really been looking forward to it. Me too. Thank you. Now, I know your whole story and um, you're, you're doing so much good for people. So first, I'm just going to start by asking you to sort of summarize what it is that you do as I, I kind of think of you as an, to me, an inspirational coach, but I don't like to put a label on it. I don't want to speak for you. So tell us what it is that you do, and then we'll get into the near-death experience that I know everyone wants to hear about. Sure. So I have two parts to my business, really. I run uh, the Divine Light Energy Healers Academy, where I teach and train coaches and doctors and acupuncturists, massage therapists, and even some lawyers how to use the energy modality that I learned on the other side and that I've been using in my own practice for years. And then I also have a private coaching practice where I mostly coach six and seven figure business owners with their own energy, but it's also some business strategy too. Um, and I call myself an energy intuitive. So basically what we're doing is we're looking at the energy that is being run and then we're making shifts and pivots and timeline jumping and helping people to really create their reality, really helping people to see that they're the divine creator of their reality. And if they don't like something, they can shift it and change it and uh, manifest something different and create something different. So ultimately that's what I do. I also run retreats and um, teach in variety of retreat centers across the globe. That's awesome. Uh, I also, you know, I've heard it, I've heard it described as you when you went to the other side, you downloaded DNA, DNA activations. Can you explain what a DNA activation is? Yeah. Okay. So let me start off by saying that there's, in Western society, we have this theory that we are a human being in a body with two strands of DNA. And that's the current theory. And as you might well know, there's a lot of things that we um, in the past have thought weren't true because we couldn't see them. And so the same is the case now with DNA and that you actually have more than two strands of DNA. It's just our modern equipment is not able to see it yet. I give it about 10 years to where we'll have the ability to see the other strands of DNA and have the ability to really look at that. So in within your DNA, though, you have 95% of it is not turned on or it's dormant DNA. <clears throat> Modern science calls it junk DNA. I label it as dormant DNA that hasn't been turned on. So when I talk about a DNA activation, it's really a very conscious process where you, the individual, can choose to look at your DNA and see what things that you want to turn on, what latent gifts, skills, talents, abilities, anything from healing your body instantaneously to repairing the body, to um, having extra perceptory skills that you might not think you have. Literally, there is a huge gamut here of divine DNA that is in our blueprint that we just haven't yet turned on and accessed on a regular basis. But boy, once you do turn it on and once you start accessing it on a regular basis, your whole life starts to change. Yeah. As a someone who became a medium later in life, I can attest to that. 
fact that there is a sixth sense that we don't use, but once you turn it on, so much opens up for you. So I would love to hear about your story. I know wherever you want to start off, um, you can even, whatever you're comfortable sharing about your background, um, because I want to know, I always like to know, I think your background informs what you take from your near-death experience, for one thing, your attitudes, your perceptions, your spiritual beliefs, your lack of spiritual beliefs, kind of informs your experience as a human, but also as a soul living in a human body. So wherever you'd like to start, I'd love to hear your story. Okay, great. Well, let's see here. You know, there's <laughs> there's so much I could tell you. I think I'll I'll start with saying I was raised in a very Christian based belief home and we went to church on Sundays and Wednesdays because that's what we did and we my mom would often take me on travel trips around the world to go on like missions to help people understand Christianity and adopt that Christian way of life and when I was 12 I I realized that what we were doing wasn't um, in keeping with what I believe spiritually I had this realization that we were telling people that this way was the only way and that if they didn't believe in that way, it was doomsday for them, basically. And I, I had such a cognitive dissonance with that at 12 because I was visiting places, you know, little villages in Thailand that had never seen a white person before. And they were the most lit up, glowy, connected people I had ever met. And I thought, well, I don't know why we're even teaching them this stuff. They, they're so connected already, you know? Mm, that's such an old soul think, thought to have <laughs> for a kid. I feel like, I think sometimes it's hard to, when you're a kid, to think outside of what you've learned or what you've been taught sometimes. Um, um, so I, that sounds like such a, like you knew what was going on. Yeah, like what you're in the middle of learning, you you think this is totally incorrect. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm trying to tell the adults this and they're telling me no. So at that point, I had this break with the Christian church and I knew I was going to be on a different path. But in getting on that different path, I, you know, I had a lot of trauma happen to me growing up. I had uh, several flavors of things that I'm sure happened to a lot of women. You know, I was very independent. I had um, run away from home at 14 and really tried to make a life on my own. And I decided to move into the corporate world um, as soon as I could. And, you know, I had dropped out of high school, but because I was into self-education, no one ever really questioned my education. They all assumed that I had been well-educated and been to college. It was never asked. So I got into corporate America at an early age and I worked for a Fortune 100 company. But in that, you know, I was using drugs. I was smoking marijuana. I was drinking. I was a two pack a day smoker um, because in my family, my I would consider my father to be an alcoholic and he was a four pack a day smoker. And that's just kind of how we dealt with stuff. You know, we just don't deal with our feelings. We smoke it away. We drink it away. And then I um, there was never any drugs in my family, but you know, when I was 14 and 15, I found drugs and this community of people that accepted me unconditionally for who I was, but they were drug users, right? So that was my path. And then, um, you know, I just, I just did that path and I worked in corporate and, um, I met him, I met a great guy who also was a drug user and so was his family and they were very, his family was, um, an affluent family and it was very common, you know, to use drugs and that was just the way of it. And that's, it was just how we did, you know, I didn't think anything of it. And I, it never really occurred to me that there was a healthier way to deal with our stuff even. I had no idea how to process an emotion or how to deal with anxiety. Um, and this is something I haven't talked about before, but I remember one time, um, I always like to bring through little special nuggets. Um, one time, um, my ex-husband's father um, had had this big bottle of Xanax and I got a hold of the bottle. It had like 
I don't know how many pills in it. And my ex-husband referred to it as the month of sleep <laughs> because I was just taking them all the time and sleeping. And I, I remember thinking, oh my gosh, this, this is amazing, right? because I was working so hard at corporate and I just needed a way to decompress and relax and and I wasn't getting that. And so I kept working at corporate and I really loved what I did. I was a corporate sales trainer and I ended up getting promoted to go to corporate um, like headquarters in Kansas City. And I loved that job. I loved being in the classroom. I loved working with people and we would do sales training, but also like soft skills training and how to manifest and how to really call in your reality. And I just loved that work so much. And then I got a promotion. I was trying to work my way up the ladder at the time. That's what I had equated success to is more money, higher position. I didn't equate success to doing what you love. There was not, none of that was in my radar at all. I, I thought, no, I'm successful if I make a lot of money and just ride the ladder. So I got promoted into what I call the gray cubicle of death. <laughs> and, I loved that when I heard that in your other interview. I was like, oh, I've been in that cubicle. Yes, I understand right? it. Mm -hmm. Your oh, listeners, I wanted, to, I wanted to die. It's terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, your listeners might be listening in their gray cubicle of death right now. No. So it is a it is a real thing. And corporate America is one of the most unhealthy environments. I've yet to see a corporation that is a healthy environment for people. And so I was dealing with that with, you know, I drink a pot of coffee. And then once I was done with coffee, I would have Mountain Dew. I was smoking during the day and just running it to the red line every single day. And pretty soon my body was like, yeah, no, we're not doing that anymore. And I was um, gonna be helping out with this huge sales summit, 2,500 people. And I was, you know, with the, working with the team to set all that up. And I ended up getting sick and I got um, bronchitis. And of course, you know, when you have bronchitis, you're so not supposed to smoke, but I'm, I'm a smoker. How am I gonna not mm -hmm. smoke when I have bronchitis, right? So I'm keep smoking, I get pneumonia. I keep smoking, I get sicker, I end up getting mono, my whole body kind of tanks out. And after that, um, you know, it was like that break in my body where my body was like, yeah, no more. And after the mono, after I got better from that, I never got better, I started to get worse. So I went back to work, I had to take a little leave of absence during that period. I went back to work and I just got sicker and sicker and sicker. And I, I thought, in my mind, well, if you're sick, you go to a doctor and they give you medicine to get better. So I then started down this medication train and I had stopped smoking marijuana at this point. I really wasn't interested in that anymore. I was just smoking and drinking and I didn't really consider myself an alcoholic. In fact, I, I, I wouldn't call myself that to this day. I just drank a couple glasses of wine every day or a bottle of wine every day. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, and so, so I started chasing the medicine and chasing the diagnosis and trying to figure out what's wrong with me. And I got labels. I got a lot of labels. I got, first of all, irritable bowel syndrome. I got chronic fatigue. I got, I got both of those. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And then I got, oh, you've got MS. Oh, you've got autoimmune arthritis. And something I don't talk a lot about because there's not um, often space for it on the calls, but I want to share with you and your audience here is that I can remember at the time feeling happy that I was getting these diagnoses. There was a part of me that was so disempowered that I thought the only way for me to get love, attention, support. By the way, this is all unconscious. I was unconscious to this, right? But I felt something very exciting about getting these diagnoses. And like, I feel so happy when I walked out of the doctor's office with yet another prescription. Yeah. And I really think this is an important conversation because I suspect I'm not the only one who has felt like that. That not. Right. And it's hard to say, you know, it's hard to admit 
oh yeah, I was seeking diagnoses. I was seeking that there was something wrong with me. In fact, I would often wish like, oh God, I hope they just find cancer or something. Yep. I, I said something, a lot, not, not exactly, but yeah, because, and it's, you want that validation of give me a name, give me a medication. Let's, let's get to the bottom of it so I can fix it. Yeah. Cause you feel so horrible on every level. And you're like, well, God, I feel so horrible on every level. And what I did not realize, and I think many people don't realize, is that the reason why they feel so horrible on every level is because they're walking around in a body that has never dealt with the stored DNA trauma that we walked into. In these bodies, we have, you know, thousands of years of stored DNA trauma that's never been processed by our ancestors. They didn't know how to process trauma at all. And they're, you know, how they dealt with stuff is that they didn't deal with it or they medicated it or they used drugs and alcohol or overdoing something or underdoing something. And so I just didn't realize that. And I didn't realize that what I ate had anything to do with how my body felt. Yeah. Yeah. You know, just none. So, so yeah. So, um, long story short, I got all of these diagnoses and I finally got in touch with a doctor who was like, I can cure you and we're going to heal you and we're going to stick you on IV antibiotic therapy, which is equivalent to chemotherapy. It's a, a super strong antibiotic dosages for long extended periods of time. And um, it can also kill you, you know, the treatment can kill you. So I was on that and eventually the treatment did kill me. And I was riding the line between life and death. My ex-husband would tell you, you know, many days I was riding that line. And that was because I was on so many medications. I was on 28 different medications, including fentanyl suckers that they really only give to people who are going to die because they're so addictive one you can't get off them and two it can kill you so you really have to be on death's door to put people on this medication and i was on all of it so one day it was too much for me and i remember i wasn't feeling well it was during the middle of the night and i went to the bathroom and um you know basically i woke up dead (laughs) so that's that's where the story starts and ends but also once i woke up and i was out of my body i had died and that's really where the magic happened i needed that full reboot and i was able to go up into what i call god consciousness And it was the most magnificent birth, you know, of the self. Um, People call it dying, but I think, I wish we had a different word and I wish we taught it differently Mm -hmm. because it really is like being born and releasing the shell of your body. It was the most physical thing I've ever done without a body. I mean, you could stretch and expand your consciousness in every direction all at once. And it was just absolutely um, bliss is not even an appropriate term for it. You know, there's just really no words to describe the feeling that I felt. And then at one point, I got up into this place where, you know, I, by the way, I didn't have the standard what a lot of people have when they have just an out of body experience. Um, I think that there's a real difference between an out-of-body experience and a death experience. Mm -hmm. So I didn't have the out-of-body experience where I'm hovering over my body until, you know, a later time. But um, I just popped up into this huge, massive consciousness. And I got to see, I kind of describe it like this. um, If you've ever seen those um, security cameras, like somebody's watching like a thousand security cameras Mm -hmm. all at once. Mm-hmm. It was like that you could see images of scenes of things of people of plants of whole cities of just all of these images and they were kind of like in balls and I could put my consciousness into as many of those spheres as I wanted to and as soon as I would see something that interested me it felt like this electrical stretchy impulse just going 
and I could hold all of that consciousness all at once. So literally I'm having millions of different data points and it was as if I was all things all at once. In this planet and in other planets, in this galaxy, in other alternate galaxies, I was all things all at once, which is kind of a gasket blower. You know, it's, it's more consciousness and information than most people have access to ever. It's almost like if you were to plug your brain into the cloud of the internet and just download all that all at once, it's a lot. It's a lot yeah. to take. We'd go insane if we saw it all the time, but that's yeah. why we yeah. have that veil. I wanted to ask you, have you seen the movie Everything Everywhere All at Once? No. Oh, oh, okay. That's your homework that assignment. Oh yeah. Wow. It, it, Everything. It, every it won all the awards and it's about that. It's about multi-dimensions and everything. It's all about how everything is happening all at the same time. It's like a three hour movie. It's so incredible. So I want to know what you think of it. Um, I can't wait to watch yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, you'll love it. it. My words, everything, everywhere, everywhere all, at, all once. at once. And it's and about that. And that's really what it is. I mean, we perceive time down here as this very linear thing and past lives and, you know, future lives, whatever. It is not at all like that up there. It's all happening. It's all happening all at once. I always tell people it's like a book, you know, all the pages, uh, like if I were to, um, hang on here, I'll just grab this book. Um, what is it? Oh, Hawaii, the Big Island book. Um, it's all the pages are already written. We don't have to on page, 159 we don't have to wait for page 227 to be written mm. right we can just yeah. jump to the page it's already there so but our belief system what we've been taught is that in our daily lives we do have to wait for 227 to get written we do have to wait for page you know 339 to be written but it's not it's already written and there's also a lot of play with respect to how we do our lives. Like you don't necessarily have to go visit page 227. Yeah. You, if you want to, but you could choose page 339 just as easily. I love that analogy. That was the best analogy. It's so simple and yet so deep. Yeah. It makes so much sense. That makes so much sense. Um, yeah. I, continue wherever you wherever you want to because I'm just I, I think you're just on a great path I don't even have a specific question there okay yeah yeah so that's you know that was one of the biggest downloads that I had on the other side is really that we have access to so much that we are not filtering for here because of the fact that we have been told it's not possible or we don't know that it's possible mm -hmm. So just, just seeing what's possible on the other side and that we have access to jump timelines, we have access to um, really shift our frequency in our physical body that we can hold the codes of instantaneous healing. You know, we've been told we can't heal ourselves. We've been told, oh, you need a doctor to do that. And I'm not saying you don't, but I'm saying that we also have codes within our body to heal ourselves instantaneously. We have codes, geckos have this, you know, geckos don't, <laughs> because they haven't been programmed out of it, geckos can regrow a tail, yeah. right? The DNA is available to regrow your body. We just don't believe that it's there. That is so true. And I'd love to ask you about that concept of all these different timelines, right? It's, um, there's the, one of my favorite quotes is by Sylvia Plath. And she talked about in the bell jar, how she saw her whole life unfolding before her, where she felt stuck because every single branch of the tree represented something that she could be. So she could be a, a wife and a mother. She could be a doctor. She could be a writer. She could be all these different things. And she said, but because she was a, because there were so many options, she was afraid to pick just one. And in that, and then when that happened, all the whole tree atrophied and turned black and died because she couldn't, there were so many options available and it's not the exact same thing, but it, it just reminds me of that because I would love to know too, there's um, talk about free will. So as humans, we have free will, but then there are also these timelines where we can, in the manifestation world, we talk about if if you have a desire, it's because it's probably because it's meant for you. 
Now, are there limits to that? Because there's also soul contract. Now, within our soul contract, we can make choices that change the trajectory. We don't have to take that path. But I do always wonder about that. Like, how much of this do I have control over? Like, if I were suddenly like, I just know that Brad Pitt is my future husband. Like, I know I'm going to marry him. Like, can that happen? I mean, it could. Likely will it? I don't know, you know, but like, do we have, I, I don't know if you, if you, if I'm articulating this, I'm, I think I'm not articulating it well, but I think you know what I mean? Like how much of it do we actually, can we actually create and how much I, of it is like, well, within reason, like I can't go be the president of Italy because I'm not Italian and I'm also know nothing about politics, but, but that sort of thing. Yeah, I love this question. So there's, I'm going to break it down a little bit. I'm going to start with your Italian president. Um, usually, <clears throat> it would be, it would be counter to us to have a desire that was placed in our heart that wasn't for us. Yes. So if you weren't Italian, but you really wanted to be the president of Italy, I would find that that would be surprising to me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that's the first piece. Yeah. The second, mm -hmm. the second piece is that when it comes down to specific people, um, like to your point about Brad Pitt, I just know I'm going to get married to Brad Pitt. Well, the universe doesn't actually work that way, but it will give you the energy of that. So if you if you broke it into the energy, I really want a hot, attractive guy who's an actor who can travel the world with me and I can't wait to get my hands on, you know, that then the universe can work with. So it's it's less specifics. Oh, let me give you another house. You want a beautiful you want this particular beautiful house by the ocean versus a beautiful house by the ocean right yeah so the universe does not necessarily give it to you and here's here's the biggest key the universe likes to surprise and delay you you're here to learn lessons and the universe doesn't necessarily want to give it to you in the way that your mind thinks it can have it right your mind wants it a certain way and the universe likes to deliver it to you in a way that it will surprise and delight and that will also honor what's on that available available timeline. Now, here's the thing that stops most people. And if you hear nothing else today, this is the most important thing you can hear. What stops people from operating on their highest timeline? Because you do have a lower frequency way you can experience life and a higher frequency way you can experience life and the lessons because we are here to learn lessons we're here to work with certain souls etc okay but if you're here to learn the lesson of let's say you're here to learn the lesson of being independent and that's something that your soul really wants to learn how to be independent okay great well you can learn that by um you know, maybe you're, you encounter a childhood trauma and you learn not to trust people and every person who comes into your life, you push them away and push them away. And basically you end up as like a cat lady who never has anybody in her life because you're so triggered every time you meet people and your belief is that no one is safe for you and you don't do any healing work around that. You're going to have a lower experience of that timeline, right? Yeah. But if you work with your beliefs and you heal those beliefs that are in the way of you having a greater experience on your timeline, for example, in this example of this woman who believes that no one's safe for her because she's always tr so triggered and she hasn't worked through those triggers, if that same woman were to work through those triggers and heal the belief that no one's safe for her, she would then start to magnetize a community and a different life where she's she's learning independence in a different way, but she's surrounded by people that love her and maybe she's learning independence in a partnership because she has this super yummy lover that challenges her when she's being a little too independent and, and that partner's like, hey, I'd really love to help you on this. And she's like, no, I've got this. And, and the partner's like, well, what if we what if we worked together, you know, and it's yummy and delicious. So does that make sense about 
so much sense. Mm -hmm. I, I you describe that better than I've ever been. I've had that idea and haven't ha I've had trouble sort of interpreting it and explaining it to both myself and others. Um, because I, I, I think that when you talk about the specificity isn't the key or like it's this person or it's this house or it's this thing, this job, because you can say, I want, oh, look, there's this job opening and I want that job at ABC company and I want to be this, uh, I'm, I'm going to be the project manager. Well, you could get that job and you could find out that it is, your boss is abusive it's too many hours. They're, they're taking advantage of you. It might not be that job. So you write down what about that job you want to see, which is, okay, well, if I had that job, I imagine that I would feel this way because I would have the following things lined up. So it's more about focusing on the qualities. So you want a partner. It's not about, I want Bob Jones. I want a partner who is who makes me feel the way Bob makes me feel, who has the qualities in Bob that I like, but also make sure to include things in there because I've also manifested negative things. I've gotten the person and realized, oh, this person is a cheater or this person is, you know, it's, and so there's so many, um, that, that explains it so beautifully. And okay, so then we talk about getting into alignment with those timelines. How do we do that? Well, that's the, that's the thing that I do a workshop around this. It's called quantum time jumping because what happens is we all at early ages store trauma in our body and that trauma then expresses outward. So I always say, if you want the mirror to smile, you have to smile first. Mm -hmm. If you want something to change on the outer world, you have to change it from within first. And what people forget is that your reality is an outward projected image of what you're the energy you are projecting from within. And an example I always give, it's the reason why two people can go out, two friends can go out to dinner and one friend is having a fabulous experience. Their dinner is amazing. And the wait staff is so wonderful to them. And the other friend is like, this meal isn't what I wanted. It's not good. And the waiter's a little different to them. You know, it's because they're, they're literally in the same table in the same restaurant and they're having two vastly different experiences. Mm -hmm. And probably everybody's experienced that being out with a friend and like one of you is having a great time and the other one of you, it's like, wow, you're really having a, a situation happening. Right. Yeah. And so what we have to remember is that our beliefs, we live in a beliefs based reality. It is the soup that energetically then informs all the things. And so if you have beliefs that are counter to your highest timeline, you won't be on your highest timeline. And so those beliefs live as molecules in your body as molecular chemistry and your body wants to create that same molecular chemistry over and over and over again regardless of if you like it or not you know um somebody who wakes up in the morning and kind of feels a little depressed and they don't like feeling depressed what they have to remember is the body likes feeling depressed the body's used to that molecular chemistry cocktail and it wants to replicate that again and again and again so what i teach and what we do what we want to do is we want to go and find in the physical body where the body first learned to create this chemical cocktail what scene comes up what beliefs come up and then once we identify that, we can then start to do some real healing work and reprogramming because we do live in quantum time. Everything's happening in the now so that when we start to reprogram that and offer it healing in a very specific healing practice, then what happens for people is a quantum shift on the other side because they let go of that energetic that's been held in their body and once you let go of it, it no longer needs to project in the outer world. So let me give you a very realistic example so that everyone can get this. You have somebody who always attracts a certain type of partner who maybe um, is, oh, has characteristics that one could label in the narcissistic category, right? 
Um, it's a big buzzword going around. Yeah. You tend to always attract people that are in that category. And then you go and do the healing work and you realize, oh gosh, both of your parents were like that. And you learned to attract that energy and you learned a maladaptive behavior to be in that energy. And so then when people come into your world that are that, your body and your and your beliefs have been trained to accept that into your world. And then you're upset because you have it in your world. Mm-hmm. Right? So once you go in and you do the healing work around those early stage things that happen, then what happens all of a sudden is this type of person comes into your life, you see them coming and you're like, I'm going to pass on that. And you then start to attract healthy people, um, people that start to resonate with your current level of health and things start to get different. But we can't have a different experience until we go within the body vehicle and clean up the DNA and clean up those molecular chemistry cocktails that happen that then project out into our outer world. I hope that makes sense. It makes perfect sense. I'm a 12-step person, and um, I would never have thought of myself as a 12-step person before. I was very much like, that's corny. I'm not doing that. And I believe that the 12 steps work. Um, And this is neither me endorsing or not endorsing. I'm just stating what it was for me and how it relates is that it's I think it works because of it's a very similar thing of let's get to the root of these patterns and we look for the familiar. So we don't realize that it. it's subconscious. So we, as a child, I had a birthmark. Kids told me I was ugly. I had no friends. I was rejected by peers. Family was very loving and supportive. Had me in therapy, all of it. I stopped speaking, shut down, didn't want anyone looking at me because it just caused me pain. People looked at me, they judged me. They made me feel bad about myself. I felt bad about myself. So why did I end up chasing unavailable people? Because it was more of the same. It was more of choosing people that were going to reject me so that I could reinforce the negative self-belief that I am unlovable, unworthy, weird, different, unattractive. And the thing is, it was never about me. It was always about them and their own stuff happening that did not allow them to love me, right? But it was like, well, there, that just um, reinforces that belief. So here I am feeling bad again about myself because, yep, just as I thought, I'm ugly, I'm I'm unattractive, I'm not worthy. And but yet it feels com- strangely comfortable. It's I always say it's like gaydar. Um, you just you don't even know the person's a narcissist off the bat. They're very charming. They're very lovely. But he didn't seem that way. Well, it's because there's this subtle energy that's familiar to you. Like, oh, I recognize that. It feels so strangely comforting and familiar. So yeah. you're right. It's about, and then in the 12 steps, you go through and you break it all down. And then you you cho- you say, let's take the fourth step and let's find out why that person was able to treat me this way, unless it was an actual crime where you had no control. And you say, okay, well, here, here are the patterns. And now I'm going to turn it a different way. Okay. So what negative core belief did that instill in you? We're turning that around right now and we're flipping the script. So instead of I'm, I don't have a voice. No one listens to me. I'm not heard. I always speak up. I'm assertive. I'm comfortable with myself. I love myself. And you just kind of keep doing that through every step. So I think then there's the spiritual approach that I believe would go deeper than that. Um, What you're doing is, is similar in it's, it's sort of retraining us to attract a different vibration or get ourselves on a different vibration yeah. to meet the universes where it is. Is that? Yeah. Well, and to clear the energy from the body, because if we're only working at the level of the mind, that's where people tend to struggle is they only want to work at the level of the mind and the, the molecules live in the body. You know, yes, your your mind is one thing, but your brain and your body and your heart and your gut are all working together. So if we don't go in and actually do somatic healing work with the body, then it tends to be more of a longer slog to get to healing versus if you can go in and do some somatic healing work with the body, 
and incorporate like what you said, incorporate those beliefs of, okay, this is why I'm doing this. This is why I'm attracting this person. Here's, here's the belief I would have to have, but then do the somatics to work it through the body. Then I find that people have more of more rapid change. And ultimately what we're trying to do is change their identity where you, you have to change your identity if you want to be something different. Yes. You can't be um, a non-smoker and identify as someone who carries around fire and burning sticks with you. Right. You know, you cannot. Uh, as a non-smoker, your identity is, I breathe clean air. I, I love and enjoy being healthy, right? A smoker doesn't have that identity. A smoker's identity is, where's my lighter? I can't leave the house without my smokes. That's their identity. So if we want something different, if we want that healthy relationship, if we want that healthy body, if we want whatever it is that we're wanting, we literally have to become something different. And I believe that, you know, my near-death experience was a very hard experience. It was difficult um, physically. And I believe that every experience, no matter how difficult it is, happens for us so that we can heal what's coming up for us. So if we then take on the mantle of every time we have that interaction that didn't go well, or every time somebody's not being how we'd like them to be, if we can turn it and pull all that energy into us and go, okay, what's being reflected to me here? What is the energy that would have to be present in order for me to have this experience? Not taking blame, not blaming myself, but taking responsibility for an energetic that's present. So it's, it's different. It's like, oh, I might have been accidentally running this program and the program I might have accidentally been running is I've been attracting people that push me away. Yeah. I'm accidentally running that program and then doing some healing practices around that because we are like computers, our body. If you think about, um, a piece of DNA, by the way, they're now storing data on DNA. I don't know if you know this, but, um, DNA is the biggest storage unit for technology that we have. And guess what? Our bodies are the biggest storage unit for technology on the planet. So our DNA can hold like the whole internet plus, 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 plus on just one little tiny little thing of DNA. So if you think about that, we literally have to go in and reprogram Mm -hmm. some of these bad programs. And let me tell you, they're not your fault. We came into this world. It's 2023. We came in with such bad programming. I mean, we really did. We came in with a lot of garbage programming, a lot of judgments, a lot of fears. Oh my gosh, so many. Like when I'm working with people, um, both in the academy and my private clients, so many fears that people have of not being supported. And so it's kind of about just unpeeling all these and unpacking them and working them out of the body and then installing, just like you would a computer, you take off the old program, you install a new one. So that's really all we're doing is we're uninstalling data and reinstalling new data. And when you can do that um, with yourself um, or work with a professional to do it, your life changes. You just become a different person. Right. And after your near-death experience, you ended up losing over 100 pounds, I believe. Uh, And you, 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 you used different modalities to heal from, from which you added, I think that you added to, to the full picture as we do, as we learn different modalities, we incorporate them into the ones we already have knowledge of and wisdom around. So, oh, well, I have some, I have a, a question that goes along with that, but I'll try to stay focused. So, what happens to us and our programming can really affect our health. And I'm a, I'm a testament to that as well. I had health problems all the way up until I'm finally healing now from a lot of chronic health conditions that I had my entire life as I lived with a lot of fear, anxiety, um, emotional 
just emotional pain and sensitivity. And obviously, yes, then you smoke and you drink and you eat garbage and you're going to obviously cause inflammation in your body and it's going to cause autoimmune stuff. But I'd love to hear you just speak generally, however you'd like to, about what, how energy and our physical health are related. Yeah, well, to, to speak directly to what you said, you know, when we have, when we're running a dominant frequency of fear, right, it's just kind of that underlying thing. Um, it, some people even tell me, you know, they, they, when they were born, their earliest remembrances are feeling fearful in their home, or just feeling fearful in the world. And when we have that running, the body then is firing all chemicals, you know, the, all the stress hormones are going off and it's stopping digestion. It's stopping some of the processes of repair that our bodies normally have and the body's not going into repair mode. So if you can imagine from an early age, having these really dominant frequencies of fear, worry, um, many people such as, you know, you and I have a very similar story of being bullied and, um, and and people not liking us when we were kiddos and all you want to do is be liked when you're a kid yeah. you just want to join the party and have friends and then feeling very different in that right and it turns on this cascade of hormones in the body that unfortunately we are not giving our children tools to deal with those feelings feel them and then alchemize them. And because that's really ultimately all we have to do um, to get the body into a different state is feel the feeling versus push it down. And once we feel the feeling and then we have tools to alchemize it, then the body can relax and go, okay, I'm okay. But it's like we got these bodies um, and no one told us how to use them. It's like giving somebody keys to an F-15 fighter jet and not giving them any instructions on how mm -hmm. to work it. And that's a very difficult situation to be in. And I also think we came here for that. I yeah. think we came here to learn advanced ways to work with the body. I think we came here to learn how to master the physical body and how to master the physical plane, um, our emotions and our mental body. So um, some of the best ways to do that is to have to teach yourself how to, to do it. But I don't know, I don't know if that answered your question, but to sum it yeah. up, Absolutely. You know, our, our emotions have a direct impact on what our bodies are doing. There's so much research science around it. I mean, it's not even a question thing now. Our top doctors recognize, many doctors still don't, but our top doctors recognize that your emotions play a direct role into how your body's functioning. And the more you can, <clears throat> excuse me, the more you can feel the frequencies of peace, of joy, of love, your body is going to calm down and heal itself. That's really what it needs. It needs good nutrition. It needs movement and it needs positive emotions. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I was in therapy at age two because my anxiety was so overwhelming. They thought I might be autistic and mm. I, I just couldn't handle the feelings <clears throat> because I was a highly sensitive person and yeah. I could feel everything and it was too much and my doctor said to my mom poor shannon she has all these big feelings she doesn't know what to do with and i'm two my parents gave me so much love so i did i did learn i would a lot of therapy talk talks about your family of origin and and recovery talk and i always kind of go back to in my case it wasn't my family of origin my parents had the means to take excellent care of me to get me into the best child psychiatrist, a psychologist in the land. And I had security. My parents are still together to this day. I have a very stable family environment, but that doesn't mean that you're going to have grow up with self-esteem, no matter how much they do. It's there are things happening in the outside world. And depending on your own sensitivity level to it, some kids might not have even noticed it um, that much. Some kids have been like, yeah, I was bullied, whatever. But it's the way that you process information and it's the way that you encounter. All of us have encountered trauma in one way or another. There's no comparing it. Our bodies react the same way. Um, some people have mm -hmm. severe trauma. Some people have 
not so severe trauma, but it's the reaction in your mind and your brain and your body. Your body keeps the score. And so I love the work that you're doing. I'm so, uh, I, I think it's so important because I don't even think that we're, we're not taught often this awareness without seeking it out. We don't learn this, that our bodies respond to stress. I mean, I'm finally at a place where I can stop. My body's like, oh, I don't have chronic fatigue syndrome. I don't have gut disrupt. I mean, I'm finally healed from SIBO. I'm finally healing. I still have migraines a lot, but that's something I can manage. These chronic illnesses where it was constantly, oh my God, do I have an autoimmune? Do I have um, I was convinced I had AIDS. I was convinced I had fibromyalgia. I was convinced that I was dying because you, like you said, you feel so bad. You just want a doctor to say, this is what it is. What nobody really caught onto is what this is, is years of prolonged stress, mm -hmm. years of it. And, um, it's, it's, it's a killer. And in, in the United States, especially corporate America rules the day. Some people thrive in that. I mean, or they think they do. I personally don't. I'm too sensitive for it. My dad thri thrived in it and he's very successful. And also I've never known the man to show that he's stressed or, you know, he's just, he does it. But I think that it's, it goes against nature. So what can, I know there's a million things we can do, um, work with you for one, but what are some things, how do we manage that? And what can we do? Like you said, eat well, sleep, rest, nature, all of those things. Um, but what is sort of the overall, how do we heal? Big question, but just whatever comes to mind. It is a big question. And I love that you said the eat well and rest and get in nature because those are fundamentals. And if we're not doing the fundamentals, nothing else matters. Yeah. You know, if you're putting garbage back in your body, it's even the nature doesn't overpower that, right? We, we've we got to really understand that in America, especially we live in a toxic environment in so many ways. We live so disconnected from what it really truly means to be a human in this experience. Mm -hmm. And I was watching someone walk down the street the other day and they were just like in their phone. They're not, they're not looking at all. And so we, we really have gotten to a point where we're disconnected from our source. And so I personally think it starts there is that if you're struggling and your life isn't working, that the first piece is to get plugged back into the electricity. You know, if your phone's dying, what do you do? You plug it in yeah. and then you power it down and turn it off. And so that's the first piece is like really tapping into your heart, reminding yourself that you are a direct piece of universal energy, God energy, Hashem energy, whatever label you want to use for it, you're a direct ray of that. You're directly connected and you can work on reestablishing that connection. You're not just a human being because we can't see physically most people, the connection that extends from our head up and then from our feet down into the planet because most people can't see that connection. They feel disconnected from it. And then that keeps them beliefs wise disconnected from the energy flow and the information that could otherwise come through. So the more you can even just imagine, oh, I'm connected from above and below. I'm plugged into the universe. I'm plugged into nature and starting to reestablish that connection in your energy system and really feel it in your heart and feel that you're so loved from below and above. I personally think that's where it starts. Of course, there's meditation. Of course, there's other things. But if you're if you're disconnected from your source and your and your main electrical magnetic right electrical above magnetic the earth below, you need both. It's like your energy and your grounding cord. And so that's a great answer. Thank you so much. Uh, I feel like I could ask you, I wouldn't do it to you, but I could ask you a thousand more questions and have you here until midnight and I'd still be asking questions, but I will let you go. I, I, I am very inspired by everything that you said. And I think that you have so much to offer. 
So I hope that people will reach out to you to work with you. Um, I want to thank you because you're really, you're doing great. You're really successful. You've got a lot going on. You're helping a lot of people and it means the world for you to take time out of that schedule to meet with little old me, but, and, and, uh, but to share what you are with the world. I mean, I think um, it's really important, especially now with the most difficult things that are happening, violence in this world. And while there might not be anything we can do about that, me today to help, I think by keeping ourselves grounded as much as we can and connected to source, we can make a ripple of change in some way by keeping ourselves together, even if we can't help immediately in that way. Um, I just appreciate it so much. And I, and I, I am really, uh, I think there's such a need for what you're doing today. Thank you. Do you mind if I say something about the current state of the planet? I actually was going to ask you, I was actually going to ask you. So please. Yeah. You know, to your point, the, um, on the 3d reality worlds, there isn't really anything that we can do to impact. We've tried to battle it out before. We've tried to convince people before. That stuff has proven that it does not work, okay? And so there is actually something amazing that you can do though, because what we have lived in here on planet Earth is a polarity where I'm right and you're wrong, or you're right and I'm wrong, kind of a mentality. and. The invitation is to run the frequency of unconditional love. By the way, it is what our souls are here to learn how to do, unconditional love. If you don't learn how to unconditional love, you will repeat back into the samsaric level of karmic wheel again and again and again and keep coming back onto planet earth until you can learn how to do unconditional love and that is because at higher levels of consciousness if you cannot hold the frequency of unconditional love you can't play at the party do you know what i'm saying it's like yes. if, you, if you don't have your driver's license you don't get to drive mm -hmm. so unconditional love is the driver's license that we're trying to work for here Right. I love that. Yeah. So what we can do is release the need to judge, release the need, not 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 look at the news, but release the need to judge them as wrong. And this is bad and that as these ones over here are awful and see everyone as a divine ray of light and you know, I'm from the technology background, I'm from the tech industry, specifically the cell phone industry. And what we are is like cell towers mm -hmm. energetically. And so back in the early days when there was only, you know, one cell tower in an area, the coverage would be so spotty and you'd have to wait if you were in, um, if you're driving from Seattle and you needed to make a phone call, but you hadn't hit Portland yet, you'd have to wait until you got into about like, oh, 10 miles into Portland before you could make that phone call. Right. Yeah. But now there's enough cell towers that you can carry a call all the way through. It's uninterrupted. You're probably not going to drop that call. Right. Yeah. Because there's enough cell towers to carry the signal. So if you think about human beings, we are trying to install enough unconditional love cell towers on the planet to carry the signal so that the people can move through and have that feeling, a different feeling all the way through. That is such a cool analogy too. I, I was going to ask you and then I thought, don't put that on her. And then I was like, ask her, don't ask her. And then I went, no, don't. So I'm glad you volunteered that just because I know it's really heavy. And, um, and it's the I, hardest we'll ever do. I mean, it's not, yeah. I'll tell you what, I'm a kidnapping survivor. It is it's extremely difficult to see the person who has attacked you in a place of unconditional love. Absolutely. And it's the work we're here to do. I know. I, I appreciate you saying that so much. Um, I, yeah, that resonates. And I, I love what you said, I think. That's what we have to, it sounds, I know what it sounds like to people who are really in it and it's hard for me, I, but we have to be the light. We just have to be, that's all we can do. And yeah. it definitely sounds like it comes from a place of privilege, but it, it, it's not that 
it's it's really important that we keep our vibration up. It doesn't mean don't cry. It doesn't mean don't feel anger. It doesn't mean don't feel the feelings. It doesn't mean sit there and do nothing. But you don't have to think that you have to save the world. The way that we save the world is one by one by one. Um, every individual is having their own experience and just trying to be compassionate as much as you can and look at just get to that soul level of what's really happening here on a soul level. And it's hard. It's hard, but it's really important. So I thank you for stressing that and for sharing that awesome analogy. Could you share just kind of where I, there will be links below to your stuff, but where we can reach you, what you have coming up, if you have retreats, anything that you'd like to share? Yeah. So um, a great toolkit that I think people just love. It really helps you raise your frequency and work with the energy. And it's totally free. You can go to raiseyourvibrationtoolkit.com. And um, I walk you through each little little nugget that you can use. And kids love it. Um, I, I know parents love to use it with their kids because kids get this stuff right away. Yeah. You know, it's, the, it's the us adults that struggle a little bit. So yeah, you can do that. Um, and then, yeah, I'll have our, our next cohort of our academy will be coming online in the spring. So that's always exciting. I'm in the middle of a cohort right now and I just love, love teaching that academy. And then, you know, we'll do our retreat this spring as well. But but um, you have to be a part of the Academy to, to do that. And it'll be for a fall Academy, but yeah, lots of stuff. Always come by, say hi on Instagram. I'm always doing inspiring things over there, having little um, fun messages of support and um, energy updates. So you can Great. join me. Thank you so much, Alyssa Rushton. This has been amazing and I really appreciate you. It's, it's beautiful to have you on. Oh, thank you so much for having me. This has been such a joy. My pleasure.